Good morning, church. Hey, thank you for being here today. It's always a pleasure to be with the family of God on the first day of the week to celebrate our risen Savior together, to let uh, each other know and be encouraged across the aisle that we're in this thing together. And not only that, we've got Jesus Christ on our side as well. That is a blessing, is it not? Uh, Thanks for joining us today to celebrate that very thing. We want to say a welcome to our guests that are here today as well. Thanks for joining us and being a part of our assembly this morning here at Crosspoint. Our hope is that if you're looking for a church home today, you could say you found it. We'd love for you to be a part uh, of our family right here at Crosspoint to join us in telling the story through different ministry avenues uh, about the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. As Cale mentioned, there's a lot of ways to get involved. Please take a look at your bulletin and uh, see the different ways that you might get involved uh, this coming summer or even as closely as next week. So a lot of ways to get involved. Check that out. We want you to be a part of what's going on. Get off the sideline and into the game since it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'll use that analogy. It's time that we got busy for the, for the glory of God. Amen. Uh, I want to also remind you, hey, please be here at 5 o'clock for the Chili Bowl tonight. It's going to be a great opportunity to be together. We all need to eat dinner anyway, and so to be here together just to celebrate that and to talk to one another across the table will be exciting and fun. Uh, and then uh, you can do whatever you want with the game, although it'll be showing in here. So I hope that you'll uh, join us this evening. But I also want to remind uh, you as well that uh, last week we talked a little bit, we finished up a sermon series uh, on Enough, and uh, we had a tree up here on stage. Some of you may not have been present last week, and I want to remind you uh, there are these wooden pins in a basket uh, at the base of a tree just as you walk out these front doors. And if you look on that tree, a lot of these pins have been pinned to the tree. And the, the encouragement was last week that you're never too old, you're never out of sync, you're never uh, anywhere in life where you're too different or too old or whatever to make a difference. God can use you and he will use you. And so the encouragement was last week that you would think about one, maybe two people in your life that you know need to come back to Jesus Christ, that you know need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe they were there and they've left and you want them to come back because you know that's the best thing for them. Maybe they don't know who Christ is, someone at your workplace in your neighborhood, and that's the name that's on your heart. Uh, But as you exit today, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to, to stop by the tree, grab one of those pins, uh, the wooden pins, uh, write that name, first name on it, or initials, and pin it to the tree. We'll keep that tree out there all week long as a reminder to all of us that we all have life in Christ, and that our goal is to focus on that one person that you've made a decision to lean into uh, this year. I hope you'll do that. We are uh, in starting a brand new series uh, today called DNA. Uh, And uh, we want to lean into the idea of spiritual DNA this month, the idea that we need to take on the DNA of Jesus Christ, that there are some things that are in Jesus Christ's life that we need to model, we need to lean into, we need to say, I need to have that going on in my life. And so we're going to take a look at some things that the Apostle Paul reminds us of the type of DNA, the type of of, uh, lifestyle that we need to be having as we live out Jesus Christ in our life. The last time I really looked at this word was probably advanced biology in high school, which was uh, too long ago to remember. But uh, at any rate, you may have been there as well. But the definition for DNA is this, uh, a self-replicating material present in nearly all living organisms uh, as the main constituent of chromosomes. It is the uh, carrier of the genetic information in your body. And so you could take that DNA and you can discover, someone could tell you what gender you are, where you came from, what your ancestry is, what your hair color was, all kinds of different things about who you are. And so spiritually speaking, we would love for someone to be able to take our spiritual DNA and clearly see Jesus Christ in our life. And so that's what we're going to lean into uh, this particular month. 
Now, recently I had a birthday, and my family went together and bought me the Ancestry.com DNA kit. And that is off in the mail, and in six to eight weeks I'll get that back and discover, um, maybe frightfully, who I really am, where I came from, those types of things. That can be kind of a scary thing, maybe. Uh, But it's going to be, I think, exciting for me to see kind of what my history is, what my ancestry is, where I came from, uh, so to speak. And I hope hope all of that information smiles uh, upon me. You never know. It could be something uh, that you didn't want to find out as well. But the DNA thing is, what is in you? And so spiritually speaking, we want to talk about what is in you over the next four weeks. Today we're going to focus on the idea of focus. That Jesus Christ in his ministry was focused on one thing. He wanted something to come to fruition, and that was a relationship with you and I. And in our lives, we have things that we need to focus on as well. For instance, when you go to vote, that ballot I don't know about you, but I look over that thing three and four times because I want to make sure that I've marked all the boxes that I wanted to mark. I'm always scared at the very end there's some disclaimer box that I marked and it will negate everything that I hope to accomplish in that process. You've got to focus on that ballot. Here in the metro, you've got to focus on driving, do you not? I mean, you may not go home if you don't focus on driving. There's all kinds of crazy stuff happening on the road out there. I've seen people putting on makeup. I've seen them looking down at Facebook, texting, driving with their feet. Okay, maybe not the last one, but I've seen all kinds of crazy things happening out on the road there. We've got to focus on some things in our life. Maybe you have an an allergy to something. And so as you uh, get ready for that meal, you make sure what is in this casserole, what's in this thing that I'm buying at the supermarket. You want to make sure that whatever you might be allergic to is not in that recipe. Maybe it's something more. Maybe it's a medicine. Uh, maybe it is uh, fire ants. You don't want to get close and that, that, that kind of makes you swell up a little bit. You've got to be careful and know what you are allergic to. You've got to focus on that stuff. And guys, we've got to focus on our spouse when they're talking to us, right? We've got to lean in and repeat back to them so they know we were focused focusing on them, that we've got down what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to be, and what, uh, what needs to happen in the course of the next few days, uh, etc. You've you got to focus when you uh, go to the bathroom before you sit down. Make sure there's toilet paper, right? You've got to focus on that. Now, in your home, that might be easy to overcome, but out in a public space, maybe not so bad. It's going to be tough if that happens for you out in public. I learned last Mother's Day, you've got to focus when you're using a power tool. You might cut uh, a finger off or do some serious damage if you're not focusing and paying attention to what's going on with those power tools. you got to focus when you shave those legs. Not that I've ever shaved my legs, but I have seen the results of someone that uh, has maybe not been focusing on shaving when they should have been. you got to focus when you go to that eye exam, don't you? When uh, that doctor is leaning close in, and is it number one or number two? That's kind of hard to do. That's one of those tests you didn't study for. There's the other test that they have too when the cars are passing one another. I don't know the purpose of that. They're, they're passing now, now, no, now. I, mean, I don't know what, you may wind up with some Coke bottle type glasses if you're not focused on that test. You want to focus on what's going on in your life. There are a lot of different things we have to focus on. And last week we talked about a character by the name of Saul who was bent on destroying the church, and then he had some interaction with Jesus Christ. And Jesus changed his spiritual DNA. Paul began to focus on something different. Saul became Paul and ended up writing half of our New Testament. He ended up being probably the greatest missionary in all of Christendom. 
He did an incredible job of spreading the news of Christ. His focus in the book that we're going to be in today, the book of Philippians, I hope you've got your Bibles and we'll turn there. We'll be in chapter 4 in just a moment. We'll look at some other text and all of that will be on the screen for you. But Paul says in the book of Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. I want to lean into who Jesus Christ is. Clearly, he is someone who has done tremendous things. He is the Son of God. He's even overcome death. And I want to lean into someone who has that kind of power to change my life. Paul's focus is on Jesus Christ and spreading that news, that story. I want to give a little background to Philippians before we get into that book. Philippi was uh, in Greece. It was a Roman city about 10 miles inland uh, of the Aegean Sea. It was located on a major trade route running west and east uh, in the Roman Empire. A lot of travel happened through the town of Philippi. And uh, we see that uh, in Paul's missionary journey, this was the first uh, city to hear the gospel on Paul's first missionary journey. You see that uh, take place in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Uh, It's an interesting story that happens in Acts and how the church becomes established there. Uh, Paul and Silas are there on the first missionary journey. They're, They're moving through Philippi, and they're telling the story of Jesus. They're teaching this new thing called Christianity. It's called The Way with Some. It's about this rabbi that was named Jesus of Nazareth, who really was the Messiah, the Son of God. And they're, they're telling every day, day in and day out, all through the city, who this person is. And following them in this story is a little slave girl who has a demon within her that allows her to foretell the future. And she's following Paul and Silas around Philippi, exclaiming who they are. These men are from God. They're telling the story of Jesus. You need to listen. I mean, the, 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 the rhetoric goes on and on until finally one day Paul is fed up with it. And he turns around and he casts the demon out of the little girl who can now no longer tell futures. And her owners are really upset because they can't make any money off her now. And so they get the town really excited about who Paul and Silas is, and eventually they have them beaten, the authorities do, and placed in prison. Now in that same chapter, Acts chapter 16, it says that Paul and Silas were overjoyed. They were excited to suffer for the cause of Christ, and they were in jail that night in stocks and singing to God. And everyone in the jailhouse was listening to their melodic voices. Until suddenly, deep in the night, the Holy Spirit comes, the place is shaken, all the chains fall off, the doors open, the the jailer comes and thinks everyone has escaped. And Paul says, wait, don't kill yourself, don't do that, because we're all here. And he begins to tell the story about Jesus, and the jailer takes Paul and Silas to his house, he cleans their wounds, he gives them food, and right after that, the Bible says that the jailer and his entire household is baptized. The church begins in Philippi, the first house church at this jailer's home. And all through the book of Philippians... Paul talks about the joy that we should have in Christ, that we should again rejoice, that our life should be about rejoicing. As a matter of fact, in the book of Philippians, joy is mentioned more times than the entire New Testament combined. It talks about that specific word. There there is a call to lean into who Jesus is. And because of that, we can gain 
joy in our life. We can gain the blessing that God has for each and every one of us. And so the church in Philippi understands now that Paul is in prison in Rome. That's where he writes this letter to the Philippian church. He's there in Rome under house arrest. And so the church in Philippi gathers a, a, a giving. They, they, they create a pot, so to speak, a money bag, because they know Paul's under some hardship. And so they send a guy by the name of Epaphroditus down to Rome to give him the money. Paul is grateful for how they're living out their Christianity, even under deep persecution in that town. And so he writes this letter, gives it back to Epaphroditus, who takes it back to the town, to the church, where it's read and encourages them all the time. Paul calls them, you continue to look like Jesus. Continue in your DNA looking like what it should be. Focus on what God's story is for you in your life. Paul reminds them, you live in joy like you are doing, and you'll continue to find the peace that God has to offer you in your life. And I don't know about you, but I want some peace in my life. Amen? I want to be able to sleep at night. I want to get up rejoicing in the morning. I want to have a smile on my face whenever I'm out in public or at home, wherever I might be. I want to be excited about the story of God and what he's done for me in my life. But for change to happen, if that's not where you find yourself, you and I have to change the way that we think. And Paul reminds us of that. As we get to our text today in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi. You keep doing what you're doing. You'll continue to gain God's blessing. You'll continue to have the peace that passes all understanding, he says. You lean into who God's called you to be through his son, Jesus Christ. But what we know as human beings is good or bad that every action begins with a thought process, doesn't it? Every single thing that we do in life begins with some kind of thought. Paul wrote also to the church in Ephesus. And Paul says to that church and to us today in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God truly righteous and holy. Paul reminds us today that we were created to be like God. We're created to have his DNA within us. We're created to be people who love and share, to provide compassion and mercy and grace to all those around us. We are to look and imitate God in every way through his son, Jesus Christ. Paul also writes the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, hey, make sure that you keep your mind on heavenly things, not on things of the earth. That we need to be focused. We need to be thinking. We need to have a fix on who Jesus Christ is and what he's called us to be in our life. And we know that if you change your mind, 
then your life will begin to change as well. If we can change how we think, if we can move toward a more fixed point in looking and focusing on who Jesus Christ is, then things will change in our life as well. And Paul says in our initial reading, he says, I want you to replace anxious living with patience. I want you to replace worry and anxiety with prayer, constant prayer, daily prayer, take it before God. I want you to replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And if I decide to do all this, Paul, what does that mean for me? What will benefit me if I decide to go this route and lean more into Jesus maybe than I ever have before? He goes on in verse 7 and he says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So you're saying that if I focus more on the positive, if I think about who Jesus Christ is in my life, if I really fix myself on who I'm called to be, that I will have the peace of God in my life. I'll have true joy. And Paul says, that's exactly what I'm saying. In our context, Paul gives us some guardrails on how we need to focus. What do those things look like in my life that I need to be really fixing my eyes on? And Paul says in verse 8, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thought. Uh, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul reminds us in our reading today that there there are some guardrails to where we need to be focusing if we're going to become more like Jesus Christ, which I believe everyone here wants to do. Everyone here desires more and more to look like Jesus Christ, but we're called to fix our thoughts on things above, not on the things of this earth. And so how do I do that? You have to be intentional about how you live around other people and with yourself. You've got to ask yourself the question periodically. Is what I'm doing praiseworthy? Is what I'm saying worthy and lovely and admirable? How am I living my life out? What is it that you, that you read in your life? What types of, of movies do you go to? What type of television shows do you plug into? How are you relating to social media postings that maybe you participate in or pull in to share in your own post? I mean, how do you talk? To the people around you? Are you part of the rumor mill or are you one that lifts up? Are you someone who encourages those around you? When do you make a decision to forgive those who may have offended you along the way? How do you share with people around you, whether you're talent set or monetarily? What type of person would your DNA Spiritually speaking, say that you are. Because the truth is, Jesus wants to be your resident, wants to be more than your resident, he wants to be your president. He wants to make the call in your life. He wants to make the executive order, so to speak, to move you in a direction that looks more like him. But for some of us, there are some things that are tough to get rid of. It won't happen overnight. Some of us are dealing with, with habits Some of us are dealing with addictions. It may be an addiction uh, to 
to drugs. It could be an addiction to alcohol. It could be addiction to anger. Maybe you love living in the chaos and stirring it up all the time. Maybe you have an addiction to pornography. It could be anything in your life that's distracting you or creating an unfixed gaze upon our Savior. Maybe in your life you're dealing with hateful postings. Maybe for you, you're, you're sad about where you are in life and so you're going to bring everybody down with you. Maybe you share those posts that are negative and condescending on social media. Maybe in your life, if you were to step back, you realize every time I talk to one of my friends, it's all about the negative things happening in my life. I don't talk about the positive that's going on in my life and we overlook so much of the blessing that God gives us each and every day. You and I both do that. Maybe, maybe in your life you're dealing with self-centeredness. You've never stopped to think this life is really more about others than it is me. And if I'm going to look like Christ, then I'm going to have to back off myself for a while. It's really more about serving others than it is self-serving. Our DNA, if it's to look like Christ, calls us to some incredible things in our life. Some things that we, we need to change and make different. But we've got to realize that we cannot do it by ourselves. We can't conquer those things by ourselves. It's going to take Jesus in your life to help you overcome whatever is dealing you a bad hand. Jesus Christ is the only thing that we need in our life to help us move in the right direction. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 26, uh, he wrote this in 700 BC, but It shows us that God is constant all the time. You being God, he says, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in God, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, God. That we'll have peace in our life. We'll have true joy in our life when we make a decision to make God supreme. The number one thing in our life that our goal will be to look like his son, Jesus Christ. But we've got to be intentional about that process along the way. I would imagine if I went to anybody's house that's here this morning, I would find both of these things in your home. This is not R2-D2, just making sure you... <laughs> but I imagine if I walked in the door, I would find probably a trash can, and I would also find a recycle bin. Now, spiritually speaking, in our life... We need to use both of these, don't we? There are some things in my life that I need to throw away. Some things that I need to get rid of. Some garbage in my life that's doing me no good at all. Matter of fact, it's stinking up the place and I need to move it on. There are other things in my life that I just need to recycle. Maybe you... You're a great speaker. You like to talk some stuff all the time. But maybe, maybe God's blessed you with that. You just need to shift it a little bit so it's a little more positive in the approach. Maybe you're great at social media. And now we need to shift that a little bit so that it's more in tune to what God wants you to post and the encouragement maybe you can spread in that regard. You and I have things that we need to discard in our life and things that we need to renew or recycle, do we not? We need to lean into that DNA that God's called us to be in his son, Jesus Christ. Paul also writes the church in Rome. In chapter 12, one of my favorite chapters in all the New Testament, Paul reminds us what this really looks like, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul reminds us that God's desire is for us to be different than the world around us. There is enough negativity out there, would you agree? We need to be salt and light in the world. We need to be love to those around us. We need to be the first people to forgive and extend a helping hand. And when we have the DNA of Jesus Christ, when we focus on him, then spiritually speaking, our DNA changes. God and you have part of that process. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he's cleansed us. He's made us whole. Through his Holy Spirit, he guides us in our own life, to become more like his, his son. But for us, we've got to be intentional about what we think about, and in so doing, we change our behavior and become more like Christ, become more others-centered than me-centered. This morning, you may be asking the question, well, I'd love to do that, but what is it that I need to do to make that happen? How can I change my thinking? And I want to encourage you to think about deeply your own life today. What are the things that you are involved in? For instance, music. The type of music do you listen to? Is it dark? Is it, is it degrading? Is it pulling people down? Or maybe you need to do a little experiment. For three weeks, move over to Caleb and see if that encouraging message of God doesn't change the way you think about things. Maybe it's social media. Maybe you're plugged in to some accounts that all they do is crash people, burn people, Maybe you need to think about how and what you're pulling into your social media. What types of television shows do you watch? What type of movie do you go see? Are they uplifting? Are they affirming? Are they a reminder that there is hope in this world? What type of people do you hang out with? In your classroom, at school, on the sports field, at your workplace, There are some of those friendships that you will have an incredible impact on because the Holy Spirit's working in your life, but there are some of those friendships that you need to cut, that you need to remove out of your life because they're just not moving in the same direction you are. They don't have the same goals in life that you do. How do you serve other people? If you were to take an inventory of your own life, 2016, could could you list the page-long list of moments where you helped other people, where you served other people without anything in return. What's your service life look like? What types of books are you reading? Are you striving to get out of debt? Do you go to the credit card every time to make yourself feel better? Or are you making a decision to become debt-free so that you can focus your resources and energy on helping a missionary or put Bibles in Eastern European schools or any number of things? In order for us to become more like Jesus, to achieve the righteousness that we're called to live out, what in your life do you need to unplug or disassociate from? You know that better than anybody else. You and I have got to make that final call to say, you know what, this is not helping me become more like Christ. I need to focus on the DNA. I need to focus on who Christ is and become more like that because if you change your focus, you will change your thinking. And if you change your thinking, you will change your life. And the Holy Spirit will accompany you in that moment. Jesus Christ's blood changes you to be everything you're created to be.
In my daily Bible reading, I just finished up the book of Job. An interesting story to say the least. But at the front end of that story, uh, Satan walks into the court of God. And you know what he's called at the front end of that story? He's called the accuser. I mean, Satan does that in our life, does he not? The things that we've thrown away, the things that we've tried to distance ourselves from, he digs through our trash and he pulls out something and he says, oh, you'll always be a loser. He pulls something out and he says, you'll always be addicted. You'll always be angry. You'll always be nothing. You will never live up to what God wants you to do. That's the identity that he tries to put on us. And while Satan is going through our trash, we have to remember that Jesus Christ is taking it away. He's removing that from our own life. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. If you don't have that circled in your Bible, shame on you. That is an incredibly powerful text to remind us that we are not all the things that we used to be, but that we are something new that God has created us to be in his son, Jesus Christ. 3,000 years ago, King David wrote a a psalm, Psalm 103. And in verses 11 and 12, uh, uh, King David reminds us, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. We no longer can even see our sin because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You see, God God specializes in restoring, renewing, and redeeming each and every one of us. That is his specialty. That's his desire for you in your life. And Paul says, back to our initial look at Philippians chapter 4 in verse 9. Paul says, look, church, keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, it's then, then the God of peace will be with you. I said this before, I don't know about you, but I I would like some peace in my life. There's enough chaos out there to worry about. Uh, for everyone, everybody else. I don't want to worry about that. But I do want to lean into everything that God has for me. I want the blessing that God has for me, don't you? And he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on what he has for you. And then you will have the peace that God wants to give you in your life. But you and I have got some work to do. God has come his full measure. And now it's our turn to say, God, reign in my life. Here's my heart. Here's everything I am. I I want you to rule over everything. Help me to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to invite Brad and praise him back to the stage uh, at this time. And our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you, if you've got something in your life, something on your heart that you're thinking, man, if I could just move this off my plate, I feel like I can move forward in the story that God has planned for me. I want to be everything he's called me to be. I want to encourage you to go see one of our shepherds. Let them pray for you. And over you, remember that you're not alone in this journey. We all need each other, do we not? We need Jesus Christ in our life as well. And the encouragement this morning is that we fix our eyes on Jesus, that we make him the center of our universe, and that we 
gain all the blessing he wants to give us because we've done just that. Let's stand and sing together.